Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The blood of the Lamb is unique in that it cleanses and it washes away our sins. It's, it's why the, the same reason that they're going to be able to be in His presence is the same reason that we'll be able to be in His presence. Anybody that makes it into heaven is going to be because of the blood of the Lamb. Amen? This error, that error, every error, it'll be because of the blood of the Lamb. There is no other way. Jesus said it Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father except through me. Satan is faithful to provide all these other doors that don't take you there. Some people think they can simply do the right thing and they will get into heaven. There are many, many good people out there who sadly will face God's judgment one day. Do you know someone who is a good person but not interested in following the Lord? Maybe that's you. Pastor Bill will talk about God's impeding judgment and wrath that will take place as described in Revelation. Those who aren't marked by the blood of the Lamb will not be saved. Don't wait until it's too late. Jesus will take you as you are, brokenness and all. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 7 as he continues his message, signed, sealed, delivered. So when the Job witnesses at my door saying that they're, you know, they, they, that number filled up, so that, that, that was an elect group for them. Like, they, that's a, this is a Jewish group exclusively. These are national Jews, but it's even more about them. Everybody turn to Revelation chapter 14 with me. Revelation 14, 1 through 5 gives us more about the group that would make it clear that, that they couldn't be them. Uh, Revelation 14, starting at verse 1, when you get it, say, got it. All right, it says, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, with them 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder, and I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Now, verse 4. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. So these are 144,000 Jewish people that are virgins. So when Job wouldn't show up at my door with their kids in tow, <laughs> you couldn't be one of them. Your mama couldn't have been one. These are, this is a special group. They're, they're not defiled with women. They are virgins. That's very specific, is it not? They're Jewish people. They're virgins. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits to God and to the lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And so... I want to suggest to you why I believe there's so much of an attack on that. One of the reasons that people claim to be the 144,000 because they want to eliminate Jewish people from from God's, you know, God's prophetic picture. So there there's a thing called replacement theology where people say that the church has replaced Israel. That is not true. Um, every every study of Old Testament, your Old Testament, you know, Prophetic books is always pointing to God's future plans for Israel. God's never at any point said he was done with them or replaced them. The church is here. They rejected Christ. The Jews did. The church is saved as a result. We we get born. We get grafted in. Um, but God doesn't say I'm done with them. God says I got a plan for them yet in the future. 
When God makes a covenant, God makes an agreement. Even when people are unfaithful, God is still faithful. Amen. And God uses the Jews to demonstrate to the church how faithful he is. God's like, look, look at how unfaithful Israel has been. The Jews at large have rejected Christ. And God is still saying, I still got a plan for him. I still, there's still hope for them. Still, as part of my end time sequence, I'm going to save a gang of them at the last part. They're going to get saved. They're going to finally get it during the tribulation period. I'll take them when I get them. They're going to finally get saved then. That's God's heart. Way back in the book of Hosea, in your Old Testament, Minor Prophets, God used, again, Israel and their disobedience to demonstrate how he loved them. Poor, poor Hosea. God told the prophet Hosea, I want you to go out to the street and find a harlot and marry her for a wife. That's what God told Hosea. So I don't think anybody here would recommend that. I wouldn't tell no single brother, hey, you know what, you should go and find you a wife, you know. But God told Hosea to go do that. He went and married this woman named Gomer. Cute name. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> but he married her, and she was unfaithful. So he picked someone that was, this seemed like they wasn't going to be faithful to begin with. It wasn't a good pick. He picked her. God saying, that's when I chose Israel, I, I knew what you were when I picked you. Then after I picked you, because she went out and she was unfaithful in the marriage, she had children that weren't his in the marriage. And so, like God said, that's like you guys, I, 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 I came and got you. You guys have been unfaithful. You guys have borne fruit of unfaithfulness since we've been together. Then she left him and went back to her harlotry. She left him to go back to what she was doing when he found her. And then God tells the prophet Hosea in chapter three, he says, go again and love a woman who is being loved by a lover. That's right now. She's cheating on you right now. Go back and get her. And if you go read the book of Hosea, he had to go buy her back. Right. Just, just put this in your mind. He had to go. The woman that was already unfaithful. Now she's out there with whoever doing whatever. And you got to go get her and buy her. And she was cheap. When you look at what he paid for her, it was it, it, it was representative of the fact that she, you know, she was probably not in the best of condition, but he, he had to go buy her back. And when it was all said and done, God said, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. And poor Hosea, God did that to him just to make an example of how he loves. God, look, I picked you when there was nothing great about you. You were unfaithful when I came back and I bought you and I brought you back into relationship with me and I made a covenant with you. And that's what the whole book of Hosea teaches us. So God will use Israel in their disobedience to demonstrate how he loves us. He'll use the fact that he's faithful when they're not faithful to show the church how he is, how faithful God is. Now, if I'm looking at God and Israel, how unobedient, how disobedient they've been, how God is still sticking by covenant with them as a as a Christian, I'm quite confident that I'm like God's faithful. God keeps his word. You know, I'm in a I'm in a better situation and I understand God a little better. Amen. So be be weary of that. The church does not replace Israel. Israel is still Israel. The Jews are still the Jews and the church is the church. We do not replace them because that's what a lot of people want to do. They want to wipe out Israel and say, no, we've just become them. All their promises become our promises. Blah, blah, blah. Not true. God made covenants with them that are with them and God will keep his word because that's what God does. Amen. So that's one of the reasons that I believe people try to replace them or resituate them or become them. But as I read my Bible, I realize now this is a certain group. It happens during the tribulation period. They are Jews. They are virgins. They are sealed and they go out witnessing and they have great fruit. During the tribulation period is God is still saving people. 
So as the book of Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus and what does it reveal to us about God? One thing that this book is revealing, this chapter in particular, is that even though this is a time of God's judgment, God is still taking the opportunity to save those that will come to him. There's still he's got a method because God's method for people to get saved today is what? It's the church. We're going to talk about that as we come to the end of the message. We're his ambassadors. We've been sent out to the world. We've been given the Holy Spirit, sent out to be witnesses. But during the tribulation period, the church is gone. The, the overall, the, the, the church is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That's gone. And so where's the witness? God says, I'm going to seal these 144,000 that, that believe in me. They're going to be my witnesses. And God uses them. Now, so there's two groups, right? The answer to the question of who is able to stand first, this group of 144,000 Jews who have believed in Christ during the tribulation period and been sealed. But then there's a number after them that God, I, we believe God reached this group through the Jews, through this 144,000 that come to God and an innumerable amount of people. So now look at verse nine. It says, after these things, I looked and behold, a great number, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And so we have this number of people here. It can't be counted. They're of all nations tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the lamb. And it says they're clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. These are people that get saved. These are tribulation saints. We're going to find out in just a moment. People that got saved during the tribulation period. Just note that the number can't be counted. Whoever one person couldn't count them. It's a large number of people that get saved during the tribulation period that God is still during that era where the goal is judgment. The goal is wrath. God is still saving those that would come to him. We talked about it earlier. It won't be easy to be a Christian during the tribulation period because Satan is going to be running rampant. There's going to be disease and pestilence and war and all sorts of things going on on the earth. There's going to be a system that you won't be able to buy or sell unless you take a mark, the mark of the beast, we call it. So if you take that mark, you're damned. If you don't take that mark, you can't function in society. So you're going to be hungry and broke and and struggling and going through it. That's what it will be like to be a Christian. The government will absolutely be against you. And we know at that time, because Satan is running things, the government is going to be killing Christians. So and we talked about that last week that, you know, for those that would uh, say things like, you know, well, if the rapture happens, then I'll get saved during the tribulation. If you can't live for God now with no pressure. Because being a Christian in California is compared to some other parts of the world. It's, this is it's easy peasy right here, man. We ain't got no pressure. I got to go stir up something to have some warfare. You know, I got to go tell my neighbor Jesus loves him or something. You know, it don't happen for nothing out here. If you can't live for God under this, it's not likely that you're going to be able to live for God in a scenario where you can't buy or sell or eat or just function as a person. And your life was in jeopardy for it. So I, I don't recommend that, you know, I've heard people, I've heard people say that. I, I remember talking to some high school kids at one point. We had an eschatology class and there was a group of kids that were saying, well, if that all happens, I'm like, that's you taking for granted that you're not going to die one day and just go straight to hell. Like that's, that's, that's taking a, that's a lot on it. You know, you could die. People die every day on accident. And then what? You know, so we don't want to play those games. But. God is saving people at this time from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Uh, we, I point this out every time I see that phrase in Scripture. 
There's some of everybody there. Amen. God is no respecter of persons. God does not love one group above another group. God is will, God is trying to save some of everybody. And more and more, the church needs to adopt that mindset, that mentality that that we just have a heart for everybody, um, that there there shouldn't be in Christ church any room for racism. It doesn't matter how you were raised, how your parents raised you. Maybe they talk bad about this group or that group. You were born again. That should end with you. Um, that this should be a, just a different era. Whereas believers, I, I got to have the love of Christ in my heart for everybody because Jesus died to save everybody. I can't just witness the people that look like me. I can't just have a heart towards people that look like me because there are people that don't look like me that God wants to save. Amen. There are people that aren't like me at all that God wants to save. That has to become the heart of, of God's people. Church shouldn't be the most segregated time of the week. I mean, it should just look out a little rainbow. The world should look in at a church and say, how does that happen? How do all those different people, different economic groups, different cultures, different ages, they all come together and they're united about what? It should, they should marvel as they look at, at the church be what we're supposed to be. And so as we understand that's what heaven's going to look like, we, we want to make sure that's, that's what it should look like down here too. Amen? That God's will should be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. That's what he wants. That's what he eventually accomplishes. So, you know, let's just be our part. Let's make sure we do our part to be that kind of Christian, that kind of person. So some of everybody is getting saved. And then there it says they have palm branches in their hand. The palm branch is a, it's a symbol of victory. And so they've been through something that they've been victorious about. We believe they made it through the tribulation period. They died. They didn't quit. They didn't bow out. You know, you you could bow out. You could take the mark. You could bow the knee or whatever. They didn't. They went all the way. They died. That was their victory. And then it says they have they were clothed in white robes. and They were crying with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And we see this constantly that everybody that seen everybody that we see make it to heaven is a worshiper. Everybody. Everybody that gets before God is just worshiping. They're giving him glory. They're singing worship to him. And once again, as I read this, I'm aware that I, this is going to be us one day. Amen. If you're here and you're saved, one day we'll be there. And the only reason that we'll be there is because of the lamb. And I believe that's why everybody there is floored. Some of y'all are going to be shocked that you made it. And I believe every time we see people in heaven, they just on the, on the floor, hit the deck. Grateful. Everybody in this room that's going to heaven knows you don't deserve it. We know that we're not that good. We know we're not. We actually know we're worse than that. And we're only going to make it to heaven because of the blood of the lamb. Amen. Because the blood of Christ has washed us and cleansed us. That's the only thing that makes you and I acceptable in his sight. And so they worship him for that. And they should. He's worthy of that. We can we can rightly worship God for that even where we stand right now. Amen. It says all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I want you to hear everybody in heaven, the angels worship, the elders worship, the people that are there worship, and they they give glory, they give honor, they all the things that are coming out of their mouth, just glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever and ever. Amen. They're, they're, they're grateful to be with him, to be in his presence. Sometimes I think as believers, we got to remember what he did for us. That's why God tells us to have communion regularly. 
I think the broken bread, the, 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 you know, the cup and the, the bread and the cup are just our reminders of the broken body and the shed blood. He said, remember this. This is what I've done for you. You know, do this in remembrance of me that we need to remember that. Um, I don't deserve to go to heaven. I get to go, though. You know, um, I need to remember. I, I, I sometimes remember where I was when I wasn't saved. You know, how did I get saved? How do I end up? How am I here pastoring a church today? The mercy of God. I, did, I didn't go looking for God. I didn't have the sense to seek him out. And so God sent people to me that I would hear. He sent the right messengers at the right time with the right message in the right way until I got saved. And God just broke it down, broke it down, broke it down, broke it down. And then boom, I gave my life to the Lord in October of 1995. I look back on how little I had to do with it. I have, I have very little to do with my salvation story that God pursued me. God used the right people there are people that I would have never listened to. Um, and I've had people like that try. There are people that I couldn't listen to. Um, God sent me people I could listen to. So that's kind of how I am. I, I, knew a lot of, I knew a lot of church folk, you know, and I couldn't listen to them. If you were just like me, except you went to church on Sunday, you could shut up. You know, I used to be a weed man. So I have people that were come from church and buy weed and, and have the nerve to invite you to their church one day. Oh, you should come. But what? Like, why would I go to your church, you know? Um, you know, like, I, I had a friend in my neighborhood I grew up with. His uncle was a pastor, and he went because he had to go. And he would be trying to invite us. I'm like, you go because you got to go. You know, when you get back, he's going to be on the street just like us, doing everything that we do. It was, it was so unattractive to me, the handful of people I knew. Uh, I either knew people that were fake or I knew people that were overly harsh, Hit me with all the rules, what I shouldn't do. You shouldn't be drinking. You shouldn't be talking to your mom like that. You shouldn't be. And I'm like, why shouldn't I? Make sure y'all don't talk to non-believers like that. Because this is what happened in my mind. I never said I was a Christian. Why shouldn't I be drinking? Why shouldn't I be fornicating? Why shouldn't I be living with her? Why shouldn't I be? Why shouldn't I? I'm not under any of your rules. And so when they would put their rules on me, I would just resent that. You know, I had an uncle that tried that with me. And, um, and I hated him for it. I was like, man, when I saw him, he couldn't say nothing to me. Don't say nothing to me. But what God did for me was save one of my buddies that grew up with me in my neighborhood. That he was one of me. He was one of me. And he got saved. And he got, I mean, he, he got radically saved. He got saved in like, I think the first person I ever met that I saw repent. I mean, he stopped doing everything. And I, was, I didn't understand. I thought his girlfriend had. I was like, man, I ain't never seen a brother that sprung ever. Ever. I mean, you just stop drinking. You can't go out. You can't party. You don't do nothing, nothing, nothing. And then he married her. He got he graduated high school and married her like a week or two after high school. Who does that? You just got free of school. Why would you do that? You know, <laughs> that was what I was thinking. But he married her and he's walking with the Lord. And as I'm lost as I can be, shacked up with a girl, selling weed out the back, doing credit card scam. Who moves in my apartment building right upstairs? My boy and his wife. I mean, literally right upstairs from me, they move in. And, and that's who the Lord used. And I remember watching his life and seeing that, you know, he was, he, I couldn't throw his life in his face because he had made a 180 and he was living it. And uh, I praise God for that. And now I realize that I need to be that for somebody, right? You and I need to be, everybody knows there's enough bad example Christians out there. Satan is faithful to provide them, right? There's tons of people that talk the talk and don't walk the walk and turn people off. So we just need to be, I can't do anything about that. I can't do anything about the fakes, but I need to make sure I, I'm not one of them. We need to make sure that we're some people that are, we're, we're, we're walking the walk and talking the talk. We can share with people. 
Um, people need to see a real example, a real witness. Amen. And that's what a witness is. A witness is not just words. Sometimes your witness is in what you do. Some people, sometimes people have watched you long before they listen to you. Everybody here got neighbors. They're watching. Your neighbors are watching you. Uh, you mean you don't know what they're watching. They're watching you and they're listening. You know, I remember my buddy when he was sharing with me, I used to try, I, I try to listen for stuff. I tried to pick him apart. I was looking for a flaw. I tried to offer him. He came down. I, I, knew, I knew what he used to drink. So I bring out a drink. He was just don't drink. Come on, man. You drink sometimes. Something, you know, like not a whole 40. He's a, a tall can. Take that. You know, like wouldn't budge. You know, I tried to invite him out to stuff before he got married. You know, where there were girls and women, stuff that he used to would have went to. And he was like, bro, I'm cool. I'm like, what's wrong? And I, that's why I didn't understand salvation. I thought you are some kind of whipped. For a young fella, man. But uh, but but that witness and that consistent life when he spoke, his words had power. His words had impact. I didn't have a I didn't have something to throw in his face and say, man, get out of here. You do that. You know, and I, I realized how powerful that was, how helpful that was for me when I was lost. And so may we be that to the people in our lives. Everybody here got neighbors and friends and relatives that need to see what it looks like when somebody really follows Jesus. And they need us to be a witness to them. Again, we'll talk about that some more. And so they worship the Lord passionately because they know him, because they know that they've made it because of him and they are grateful for it. Moving down, look at verse 15, I mean 13. It says, then one of the elders answered, saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? So, you know, John is seeing this group, the angels, all these, you know, these tribulation saints are there with their white robes on. And one of the elders asked John, hey, who are they and where did they come from? Now, for those that think the church goes through the tribulation, if they were the church, John was an apostle in the church. He would have known them. But John doesn't know them. John's like, you know, he tells the, the elder, he says, sir, you know, that's a that's cold for I don't know. You know, so as uh, I I. As a, if your parents ask, you know, if people ask you rhetorical questions and you know, you know, they know the answer. I don't suggest that kids tell your mom that, you know, mom, you know, tell your mom, you know, and she go upside your head and you be in here asking me about it. But essentially, John is saying, look, I don't know. You know. So he, he throws it back to the elder and the elder tells him who these are. He says, these are those. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And so now we know where they came from. Who are they? Saints. We're tribulation saints. Where'd they come from? They came out of the tribulation. So they, these people died for their faith during the tribulation period. Now they're in heaven. Now they're where John, that's where John is seeing them at. That's where they came from. Now, something unique here. He made their robes white in the blood of the lamb. That, that, that doesn't work any other way, right? Blood makes everything messy. You don't want blood on your white shirt. When I put this shirt on, I was thinking about the day. And I didn't really want to wear a white shirt because I'm like, we're going to eat. It's going to be a potluck. I'm going to play dominoes and slam on people. It's probably going to, you know, it's going to make a mess. You know, people are going to cry and uh, whatever. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, you know, white is, is messy. But it says, look, they, they're made white in the blood of the lamb. And so the blood of the lamb is unique in that it cleanses and it washes away our sins. It's, it's why the, the same reason that they're going to be able to be in his presence is the same reason that we'll be able to be in his presence. Anybody that makes it into heaven, it's going to be because of the blood of the lamb. Amen. This error, that error, every error, it'll be because of the blood of the lamb. There is no other way. 
Jesus said it himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father except through me. Satan is faithful to provide all these other doors that don't take you there. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of Revelation. This book touches on the people and the world being judged during the tribulation. Some may feel that with all that's happening in the world right now, that we're already there. However, there's more to come and that's why it's so important to know where you stand with God now. Don't delay a decision that you think you can put off because you have lots of time. The time is now. If you're not sure where to go or what to do and the things you're hearing from Revelation are causing you to be fearful, please let us know by giving us a call. We're here to give a listening ear and to answer any questions you might have about this teaching or about salvation. Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. If you prefer reaching us online, you can fill out the contact form on our website at Cal calvaryinglewood.org. If you're not already connected with a local church family, we'd like to invite you to join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Inglewood. You can find all the information you need at our website, including service times, directions, and information about the church. You can even find links to stream our services or watch previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for spending time with us today in the Word. Pastor Bill will share more about what God revealed to John in the book of Revelation next time on A Transforming Word.